Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show goes where you go when you have those mastermind moments and aha experiences that give you that slight edge that moves you forward and bring you closer to your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. You may sometimes hear ambient noise in the background because we go to those from the field places. Today, we're broadcasting from my high-tech balcony here in sumptuous Las Vegas, known to some, at least me, as the hottest city in America. What we're going to cover is something that we like to do here at Business Creators Radio every so often, and we've been particularly blessed to have this topic a couple times recently, so I like to get different viewpoints on it. And it's the one thing that I know from speaking with so many of our listeners and so many entrepreneurs in general is something that is on folks' minds, but in many cases, they don't know how to achieve it or even how to get on the path to make it happen. And it's about preparing to successfully exit. Yeah, you may be thinking, all right, I'm entering a business, so I should already be thinking about getting out of it. Well, yeah, that's something you should be thinking about. What if you want to move on to your next venture? What if you have the opportunity to sell it to an acquirer? What if your life changes and you decide you just don't want to do that particular thing anymore? Or another brilliance and another passion captures you and brings it to its center. There are so many different things that can possibly happen. And also think about, you may want to retire. So many different options. Now, to help us sift through some of this and understand it, we have with us Tanea Harrison, who is the founder of Axis Meta. Tanea is a successful tech investor and business strategist who specializes in methods and tools to increase business valuation and lead generation. She works with investors and business owners to reduce the risk of failure and be consistently profitable while doubling your bottom line without additional hiring, which I'm myself very curious about, and has a toll chest of proven strategies, including incorporating a comprehensive digital strategy based on customer journey, e-commerce principles, strategic acquisitions, artificial intelligence, and SOPs, all with the focus on communicating to convert. That's just a piece of the story. We're about to get the whole thing. Tanea Harrison, come on in. The weather's fine. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me, Adam. I'm so excited to be here today. Well, I've actually moved inside because it's kind of a warm day, and I'm currently um, in conference with my office supervisor, Princess Stella. And she <laughs> is she is certainly trying to earn her money here. Funny thing about cats is they somehow know 
how to put their paw on the keyboard and cause a massive amount of disruption. They somehow know that one key that will turn everything off and completely change your entire operating system. And I'm working very hard to encourage her not to do that because I'm really intrigued by what you and I are going to discuss. Now, I've read off some of your official bios, so impressive. I'm not sure if I'm worthy to be here, and this is my show. So with that, what we'd like to do is before we get into this whole thing of exit strategies, let's take a step and have you tell us a bit about your journey in your own words and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Yeah, you know, I appreciate that because, um, you know, our there's always a reason, you know, how we got to where we are, right? You know, so for example, I I started off as as a tech person in, in computer science. So that is, you know, I, I definitely am a technologist. But, you know, I evolved into being an entrepreneur and um, and how I got to be an entrepreneur was frankly, because, you know, I went through a change of life. I got divorced and I thought, you know what? Um, and I don't know if any of you, your listeners are like this, but this was me. Right. You know, I had knew I was heading that way to a change of life. So the personal always, you know, kind of pilfers into our professional. Yes, it I does. Knew, I knew I was going to have a change of life. I went back to grad school with three small kids. And while I was there, uh, our entrepreneurship professor asked me to run an investing network. And so I thought, oh, gosh, was scared to death, right? I didn't have experience <laughs> in investing. You know, gosh, you're asking me to do this. I'm a tech person, right? I'm comfortable with tech. Um, and while I was there, um, I got to meet a lot of investors because I had to recruit them. It was Shark Tank without the drama uh, to join <laughs> our network. And then I had to meet with uh, business owners, right? Some who were applying for funding, you know, some who didn't have any proof of sales or revenue, right? You know, but they present like these beautiful portfolios and beautiful like marketing plans and ideas. So I was doing that for literally two years and recruiting, you know, the best business owners and investors. And frankly, that's really how I had to get them the best ones, right? Is by recruiting them for our invest for our investing community. And I learned that the best uh, that the best investors are ones that have entrepreneurial experience. And so because the kids were still small. And I knew I, it would be difficult for me to be, you know, corporate with them, with their school activities. And then, you know, they're busy in sports. I thought, well, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Oh, my God. You know, anybody who's had that path before knows it's so difficult, right? And difficult oh, yeah. to do, you know, like, and you're thinking it's going to be one way in your head. And it turns out to be, oh, my gosh, this is so hard. This is so much work because you have to learn everything, supply chain and marketing and systems and finance and, you know, accounting and, you know, a customer service and, you know, customer service experience. And I mean, it just goes on. And then, oh, don't forget, you have to set strategy for one year, three or five years. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just so much that, um, you know, you don't know that you need to know. Um, and so that was me. And so I had, I, I started my business all the wrong way. If I had to do it, you know, I actually would have bought a business first. Um, but anyways, many years ago, I started it myself, started it all the wrong way, did all the wrong things, um, you know, created first and then had a product and then hired marketing firms and thought, oh, they're going to sell for me. Right. Didn't really clearly understand that there's a clear cut difference between marketing and sales and digital marketing and digital sales. Right. Those are all different. That's that's a totally different, you know, webinar podcast. But anyways, I lost money, thousands of dollars on two different firms. 
And this was years ago. So this is yeah. how I had to learn um, because I had to build and grow myself. I had lost probably about 10 to $15,000 on firms and I was self-funding, right? So losing yeah. money like that. And then not to mention, you know, you've invested in a tremendous amount of inventory. So here I was negative $90,000, you know, and I was like, well, gosh, I've got to move this. I've got to figure this out. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So that is really, you know, there's nothing like when your back is against the ground, right. That's what made me go back to school, to grad school with the three kids. um, Because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I know I'm headed towards this change of life. There's nothing like losing money and then still having three kids. I'm like, I've got to make this business work. Right. You know, and losing that money, I've got to figure this out. Right. So when you have those things, you know, and your back is against the ground, that's when you have to, you know, kind of figure things out. So that's a lot of what I'll share today is about how to grow with digital scalable systems. You know, what we look for now as investors but really it came from my back being against the wall and I had to learn, I had to pull up my sleeve. People literally asked me for a couple of years, like, well, where did you go? And I'm like, I had to figure my business out. I had to make it work. I had to create sales. I had to create repeatable sales. You know, I had to create a company, you know, that I could create to grow. You know, I just had to do it. And they're like, you just disappear. And it's true. I disappeared because I had to, I just had to figure, I had to figure it out. So it was me and like a couple of other digital people that were part of my team, you know, and that's what we did to answer your question in a nutshell. My back was against the wall. I had to figure it out. It wasn't like when I first started my career, right? And I had a beautiful corporate job, you know, as a technologist. That was different. As an entrepreneur, my back was against the wall. Um, and that's why that's how I had to figure it out. Does that does that make sense? <laughs> One of the themes I see weaving through your story here is the phenomenon of not knowing what you don't know, not knowing what questions to ask. I myself am a refugee from corporate America, so to speak. In my case, I achieved an MBA in human resource management. My original plan was to become a training and development director for a Fortune 100. During that process of finding an MBA-level job is where I got bit with the entrepreneurial bug. The job offers I received were not Fortune 100s. They were smaller companies that were not, quote unquote, officially hiring, but were interested in creating positions for me. And then I ended up reconnecting with a previous mentor of mine who at this stage in his life owned a training and development firm. And I began doing some side work for him, so to speak. So for two years, I seesawed between getting diagonally promoted that company I'd worked at full-time while I was pursuing the MBA full-time and figuring out how to get this venture off the ground. Well, it was November 19th, 2004, and that was the day I discovered that uh, my boss's boss was, I'm not even sure was even a human being. I usually phrase it much meaner than that, but one of the things about being a podcast host is understanding the audience that each of our guests comes from, and I'm not sure if your audience would appreciate the actual way I normally describe this individual. Let's just say it was really bad. And what happened is it made the decision for me. Well, same client that I mentioned just a moment ago told me that if I quit that job immediately, he would give me $3,000. Not loan, give. I turned it down. Yeah. Because yeah. 
I didn't understand that anybody would ever do such a thing for the simple reason that I didn't know to ask him what his motives were. I figured he had to have motives, and it turns out he did have one. The sooner that I could get out of that job, the sooner that he and I could do a lot more work together. So he viewed it as an investment in his own business, figuring also that the $3,000 would get me through about two months combined with my PTO payout and a few other things. I probably had about three months I could run without making a dime if need be. I couldn't see that. I didn't understand it. If I had, you know how they say, if you could go back and have a conversation with an earlier version of yourself, I would uh, find that 2004 version of me. I'd walk up to me and I'd uh, say, dude, put that, put that guy on hold. Take the money. (laughs) This is what, this is what your future looks like without that money. It's you sitting there for nine more months dealing with this crap without that money. You're free now. You can, you can leave them a voicemail telling them you're not coming back. You can ghost them if you want to and just start your life. That would have been my conversation, but yeah. I didn't know right. To, right. To, to think that way. I didn't even know that there were questions like that to, to consider. So without belaboring it, because we want to get back to some of the great things you have to share with us, that is something just that whole theme of not knowing what to ask, not even knowing the questions are there, not knowing the body of knowledge is there, I think holds people back who want to go entrepreneurial from being successful with it nearly as quickly as it could be. And while they're trying to figure out the whole getting started thing, they, where the hell are they going to come up with? How do I ever get out of this? Or how do I hedge my bets here in case I want to jump out of this. I want to cash in my chips if things are going really well is an option. Or if I ended up having several businesses and want to use the sale of one to fund the other, there's so many different scenarios. I keep coming up with scenarios why people would want out. Uh, Sometimes just me waking up on the wrong side of the bed is a reason out. But then uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes the same phenomenon makes me want to stay forever. It's really hard to say. So. I guess I would love to talk about that. Right. So let's talk about what you just said. So those are two different things. So uh, let's say hypothetically, right. That you're in a corporate role right now. Right. And you want to get out. Right. So how do you do that? What does that look like? Well, I'll tell you, there's a couple options. So here's what I would tell myself right back then um, is number one. I would get really clear on, do I want to A, buy an existing business, right? Because if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have did what I did many years ago, which is start something from scratch, right? Why would I, why would you do something that has a 97% failure? I mean, I just wouldn't, I would never do that again. I would buy a business and I would look for a business where I knew that I could help grow and give strategic significant value in. And I would find somebody that is motivated to sell. And then a different talk is how do you fund that business, of course, right? So that would be the first thing I would do is I would look for a business to buy. Secondly, if I decided I didn't want to buy a business, but I wanted to make myself an independent contractor, I would get very clear on what my offerings are, what my unique offerings are, right? Let's say, for example, um, that you are 
an engineer, right? And you've been in the aeronautical industry. I'm Honeywell, Intel, Motorola. And so for years, you've been helping with helping, you know, uh, airlines get regulation, you know, compliance or whatever. And that's your role as an engineer. So I would literally get clear on what I've been doing. And I would write that down. Here's what I can offer. I can help company or companies that are in the aeronautical space, all the industries I could help. So I would kind of toggle it. Like, what are the industries I could help? What do I have experience in? And then what can I do for them, right? Help them get certification so that they can fly, you know, right? I would get very clear on that. What is I can do? What industries can I help? How can I help them? And then I would get very clear on who I needed to speak to in order to get those kinds of roles, right? So I would frankly slowly even start, if I didn't buy a business, I would start consulting or contracting even on the side with whatever it is that I'm really, really good at. And I would I would get clear on that first because it starts there. And then I would get clear on who I need to talk to. And then I would make sure all of my messaging, right, my bios, my LinkedIn, everything that I have is really clear on what I can do and experience on how I've done it, right? So that's clear that right. I've done it. I can do it, you know, um, if, if they needed to see, well, gosh, you know, I've been working for Honeywell this amount of time and here's how I did that, you know, like when it asks and I can verbalize it and articulate it and say it. And I enjoy doing this. And I would think about, okay, here's how I want to spend my time the next 10 years. You're the next, I would get really clear on that. So it starts to me with clarity. What can I do? What have I done? And then how I want to spend that time. The other thing I will say is that's if I wanted to be an independent contractor. And then you can very easily think, okay, so who would hire consultants that did specifically that? And then, you know, I mean, that's as easy as like creating a LinkedIn engine, you know, having, and I mean, for me, I would have somebody on my team do it, but you know, you could, that's just kind of reaching out to them saying hello, right? We never, you know, my grandmother who only had a, um, they, they didn't really have high school education. They had a farm in Michigan, right? And on the uh, summers, I used to spend working their fruit and vegetable stand. They used to always tell me when people would come and buy our vegetables and fruit that all people could do is say no, right? They didn't have right. my degree, but they would say all they could do is say no, right? So I would just reach out to them and then you just say hello. And then you put yourself on, on the radar, right? Of here's what I, I'm specifically good at creating regulation I am compliance, you know, for the aeronautical industry. I like doing it. Here's how I've done it. I can give examples of how I've done it, of how I've done it in the past. And I would do that. And I would start being an independent contractor that way. And I would make sure my branding supported it, right? Um, or secondary, I would buy business, right? And the business doesn't have to be a sexy business. It doesn't, right? Um, you know, it can be a business where there just is, a need, right? But the key is you want it to be profitable because it's it's it takes work, right, to identify right product market fit. It takes work to make. I mean, you can do it, right, very easily. You know, we can kind of ascertain um, messaging that converts, but it's so much easier if it's already been established, right? And you know that there's a need. You know what the messaging looks like, right? And then you can enhance those things. I would do one of those two things if I'm in corporate right now. And I wanted to um, become an independent contractor. I wanted to become a business owner because there's so many advantages to that. Right. You know, um, and I'm not going to say, right, it's easy. I'm not going to say the easy. I'm saying like, well, gosh, now all of a sudden through my business, I can run, you know, seller's discretionary, you know, and there's there's 
I have tax benefit. There's a lot of things that I can do now with my own business. So that's right. what I would do. Okay. So there are a few things you wanted us to cover. And I think that's all excellent. What I love about your approach is it also gives you the opportunity to figure out sort of where you want to go with this in a way before committing too heavily to it. Because imagine the, we I like to call the, I don't know, I'm even sure if it's, it's the traditional model at this point, because I'm starting to think we've even gotten to the point where we're evolving beyond it, where you do the entire branding setup with the website, all the assets and everything else before you even mention to a prospective customer that you're open for business. And then yeah. <laughs> what? If, and, then, and then there's two yeah. things that come up. What if they don't care? And what if you do it and then you don't want to be there? Yeah. I've yeah. been in both of those places. Yeah. 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 And that's all, that's all true. Right. You know, that, that yeah. is all completely true. Um, so if the, if the, if the question is, is like, do you do all of these things first? Right. And then you see yeah. if there's a desire there. Um, I would say no, you know, like, um, I love the book rework. No, no, no. Um, it's the, it's the MVP It's the minimum that you can do to prove that there's actual a need, you know, for whatever your product or service offering is. I, I always subscribe to that, to that model for sure. Mm -hmm. It's the minimal amount that you can do to subscribe to that for sure. But, you know, a big part of this is, creating something that's scalable. So whether you're an independent contractor or whether you have a business, right? If you think about why you want to start or have a business, the reason why you want to do that, right? Let's go back into the why, right? And and the reason why you either want to invest in a business or have a business, right? Is it's really like an at, an asset class for us to generate wealth for our families, right? Or, or our loved ones, whatever it is, our reasons are, right? And there's many, there's different asset classes, right? You can focus on real estate, you can focus on stocks, you can focus on, you know, like what I, I love that I've always been passionate about business, right? Whatever it is yeah. that, that you enjoy, I would say focus <laughs> and, you know, you can focus on that as an asset class. And the reason why you're doing it is because you want a better life for you. Th- these are, this, this is my why. And frankly, these are most business owners why. So I'm, I have no problem articulating this. Um, the reason why is because they want a better life for themselves and they want a better life for their families. That's why they do it. That's, that's the reason why they do it. And so because that's the reason why they do it, then you want to think about, okay, so what does that better life look like? And for, for, for me, you know, like, what does that better look like life look like for my family? And then, you know, you set, you're, you're able to set goals that way. You kind of start, you know, from the end in mind, right? That's what private equity funds do and investment banks are right. That's you start with the end in mind. What are my ultimate goals for this? Okay. So we want to grow this, you know, 10%, you know, 20%, whatever the metrics are. And in five years, we want to have this and seven years, we want to have this right. Depending on who's investing in it. And you want to get clear on those types of things. Like, where do you want to be? Even if it's your own business, right? Your first step, if you don't have anything should be to get 10 sales. Right. I, I like I have somebody. In fact, I've start, I've stopped. You know, she was like a second mom and she really wants to. Start. And I'm like, it's so cute because, you know, I work with, you know, 
big, I work with technology for the show. She wants to talk to me about her cookies and it's, it's cute, but uh-huh. you know, uh, the first thing I, I will say, you know, I, is, is to her just kind of casually, you know, if we're talking and she is, you know, she'll talk to me about this cookie business and no matter what you want to get 10 sales, start there, get 10 sales. You don't have to have, and you can sell without web, web pages, landing pages, funnels, you know, you can sell without any of that, you know, ask somebody, would you buy this if I had this? Right. And, you know, like you, you can get 10 sales. Um, and then, you know, once you have confirmation, um, and again, I think it's really difficult to start something out of air. It's different if you're an independent contractor and you've already been providing these services, that's different. What I'm talking about is that you're going to create a new product and a new service, right? That you haven't done before, that you haven't sold to before, right? That's different. My examples were either A, right? If you're going to be an independent contractor um, and let's say you've been creating software, right? So, you know, you can say I've had this client or that client or that client corporate uh, under a corporate umbrella, but I have serviced these clients, Right. You have experience doing that. Or B, I'm going to acquire a business and the business is already profitable. So they have existing sales. So for both of these, where, where it all starts, once you have 10 customers, is it starts with what we call a digital journey map. That is how you build for sales. You set goals and you build for sales. A digital journey map, and I, I can't show you because this is um, just um, audio. Yes. But, but, but a digital journey map is how you track customers from beginning to end. So once you have 10 customers, right, then you want to start tracking key performance indicators for stage number one, which is the informed stage, the awareness, whatever you want to call it, however they found out about you. If it's B2B, it's a LinkedIn uh, funnel, right? It's If it's a physical location, it's SEO. You know, you acquired some email list, right? You know, you acquired some media groups, you scraped some media groups information. You know, you, you have that. However it is they found out about you, whether it's a program, whether it's, you know, a service that you're selling, whether it's, you know, an HVAC that you're selling, whether it's refrigerator, however it is they found out about you, it doesn't matter. You want to track it and you want, that's called the awareness and informed stage. You know, um, the terms are interchangeable, but it means how they found out about you. And then you track it. You can track it with open rates. If it's an email, you can track it with, you know, if it's a LinkedIn, you know, oh my gosh, they accepted, you know, oh, you know what you establish a key performance indicator for every stage. And then your job is to move into the next stage, which is the consideration stage. Mm-hmm. The consideration stage is when they're thinking about that um, product or service that you've just presented them to. Okay. So I'm thinking about it, Right. I'm going to subscribe to whatever they asked me to subscribe to. Um, You know, I'm going to open whatever they gave me to consider, you know, whatever it is, we call that the consideration stage. And there's KPIs associated with that. And then your job is to give them um, messaging and communication, whether it's in the form of email. My favorite is SMS now, the data trumps on SMS. Um, And then after that, then you move them to the... um, the acquisition, because now, you know, we can track CPA, um, you know, so how we've actually converted them as a customer, right? So now we can, we can track those, those rates. 
And, you know, so again, however we got them, trade show, LinkedIn engine, Facebook, uh, an ad, you know, or organic, you know, which is like watching sugar drip from coffee, you know, sugar drip from a wine glass, you know, like however it is we've got them, you know, um, where we track every stage. The next stage is a scalable stage, um, you know, where we've upselled them, like we've got a value ladder um, established. And, you know, we're upselling them, we're downselling them, we're cross-selling them on all different types of things, you know, maximizing our average order value, our customer lifetime value. And then the final is what makes them a raving fan, right? Which is the referral stage and how we're going to refer, how how they're going to be a referral or an advocate of our product or service. And, you know, depending on the productized offering, we can now incorporate affiliates. Um, but yeah, and, you know, kind of um, really track net promoter score, things like that. So I learned, I had to learn these things really, frankly, the hard way, um, because, um, you know, like if you, if you don't do this and you don't take ownership of it, then no one else will. And this is, this is something beautiful that, you know, is really nice to create because you don't have to be in the business, right? So our goal, you know, a beautiful goal is we start out, you know, in the business is kind of like a worker, then move to the next stage manager, right? And then we're, you know, like a leader, you know, like, uh, but then like, if we can get to the point where we're above the business, right? And we're, you know, kind of working above it as a shareholder and giving value there. If we can get to the point where we're doing that, that's where we want, that's, that's our ultimate goal of where we want to be. Yeah. Yeah. So we've touched on acquisitions and Mm -hmm. it'd be great to just buy a business, but getting money for that is, uh, is what holds a lot of people back. I mean, I know people that have had their own ventures. They started 15 years ago and they're still not in a position where they can buy something. Yeah. So it depends, right? It depends on what the business is. And there's depends on the different types of things you do, but there's like actually a hundred ways to kind of finance something, right? So first of all, you create a special purpose, you know, entity or vehicle, right? So it's a separate corp that you use as kind of like a holding company, right? That you're going to use to kind of put your acquisitions under. So that's yeah. a separate corporate entity, right? So that way you're right. protected no matter what, and your assets are protected. That's number one. Step number two is you're going to take a look at, you know, um, their financial statements, right? And you're, and after you negotiate, right? So first of all, you look at whatever it is that they're offering. I don't like biz by sell. I mean, you could use that to, to, to um, um, practice, um, but I would never buy business from there, right? Because all of a sudden now you've got a broker in there. Um, and I, and I learned this even too, from my mentor, you would never, ever do that because, you know, as he, as Roland says, like it kind of puts somebody there, you know, that would, um, kind of inhibiting the business. The best way is, you know, kind of, I was taught as I learned through him is that you really want to find a business from a motivated seller, right? A motivated seller is somebody who, and this is with anything you guys know this, right? How do you find deals? Well, you don't find deals and opportunities. They're not like, hello, here I am. Hi, Adam, come and get me. You know, yeah. I mean, they're not like knocking on your door, right? You know, so how do you find great opportunities and great investments? Well, we have to do the work in order to get them. I mean, that goes without saying. But then there are many reasons that people sell. You said it. I listened to you when we first started this, this conversation. And you said, you know, you may want to get to a point where you may just not want to run the business anymore. Well, that's common, right? Entrepreneurs, they may have a good, decent business, 
but they're just tired and they don't want to do it anymore. So hello, I'm going to come in. I'm fresh, right? I know where I can help grow the business. I know my value and what I can bring. And I'm, I'm clear on how I can help and grow, right? That you mentioned it at the very beginning. So if you have someone like that or a business like that, where they're just, they're tired, you know, they're ready to transition away from the business for one reason or another, right? Um, and it could be partnership changes. It could be divorce changes. You know, it could be they're just, they, they want to retire. They just want to do other things, right? It could be a variety of reasons why they don't want to do the business anymore. Whatever it is, right? We find those opportunities. And then we take a look at what they're doing now. And we are clear on what our strategic value is. So, so number one is the fine. Number two is the analysis state, right? Once we've analyzed the business and, you know, we've gotten clear on their financials and we know that it's a good profitable business and we know what value we can bring and we know what we can grow it to, then we take a look at their financials. And then a lot of times, you know, depending on how motivated, you know, the business owner is, right? We can A, you know, you sell our financing. We can, you know, for me, right, you know, I was in the e-com space. So I'm my own merchant account, right? So I can take their merchant accounts really easily. And I know how I can restructure those and save them a ton of money with merchant accounts, right? I know how I can grow leanly, you know, without additional ad spend. So I know where I could cut costs. I know my values and what I can bring in, right? So I can say no problem. Yes, if this is what we've agreed on based on the multiple and typically it's a multiple on SDE, sellers discretionary for earnings or, you know, their EBITDA, no problem, right? You know, if that's, this is what you want, then, you know, here are the ways and here's how we're going to structure that buyout, right? And then here are the things that I'm going to ask from you, you know, like while this is occurring and while this is happening, right? So you're really strategic in how you do the negotiations, right? You've looked at the financials, you know what, you know, you know where you can put profit maximizers in and you know where you can extract funds from the business, you know how you can monetize it and grow it. And then you can negotiate like, okay, so what is the strategic payout look, you know, over the course of, you know, X amount of time. So um, there are ways to do it. You, it does it help to have a, this is where creativity helps, right? Too, right? This is where creativity helps in creating and structuring deals. So, I mean, look, you'll find this, especially over the course of the next year, as our financial landscape starts to change, people start changing their tune, right? And then this is where, when we know what our value is and what we can do, then we can, you know, really kind of come in and do something, um, um, you know, meaningful for a business. Yeah. Okay. So with, with everything you've discussed here, uh, one of the things that you actually intrigued me with, when we were discussing this before we got started is this whole idea of creating monthly recurring revenue, uh, with whatever it is you do easier said than done for a lot of folks. Uh, yeah. So, um, I can give you some examples, right, of how to do that. So let's say, um, because we just, we, we, we do it. Um, so portfolio company, um, let's say it's a, let's say software, right. Um, and this is a good example and let's say for a living, we create software. And so they came and, you know, they're like, okay, well, how would you drive and create revenue for this? Right. So number one, they're only doing one time creation of software. 
um, there are many things that you can do other than that one time create, right? We can put on a maintenance package, right? Uh, and, and it's just how you position it and how you productize, right? Does technology change? Do they need a partner, you know, that will be there with them that will help evolve as technological leads change and that will, you know, continue to uh, manage their software for them? Absolutely. Well, we can offer that to you. We want to be your partner and we want to be there, you know, as requirements change, as updates are made, you know, or as enhancements are made. We do that. Here's our offering. And here's what that looks like in, you know, the form of whatever you decide, you know, typically an MRR, you know, or ARR, right? You know, that's what that looks like. Could we, you know, kind of um, take some of our products and depends on what it is, right? Is it a product, is it a service, is it association, is whatever it is, right? Could we, you know, take, um, and I would take every single line item, um, and then I would look at the top seven revenues, um, and then decide how can we convert it to MRR or ARR, and what does that look like? You know, something too that I learned from my mentor, Roland, is even associations, right? I had never even thought of that before, but you could make yourself an association, right? You know, you can make yourself a training company, you know, on we train specifically on X or we train specifically on Y, right? You know, so in in addition to offering the product right now, all of a sudden we're an association. Now, all of a sudden we're a training company. Now, all of a sudden, you know, we're a community. Now, all of a sudden we're offering books. Now, all of a sudden we, you know, so it's done with you. It's done for you, you know, like. Like you have all these different tranches to productize. But the reason why um, the MRR and the ARR is really beautiful is because of how it affects the valuation, right? So, um, and the multiples that you can get on MRR versus just, you know, single hit revenue, you know, one-time, one-time revenue, right? Where you have to keep yeah. like acquiring a new customer, acquiring a new customer, acquiring a new customer, uh-huh. you know, over and over and over again. So um, the valuation, um, on on re, on monthly recurring revenue or an annual recurring revenue is completely different. It's typically like you know three to five x more than um, you know just single single revenue. So yeah, so that affects those are the intangibles when you're coming up with your valuation as well. Yeah, yeah, that you consider. So it's not just the multiple in the industry and what they're selling it, but then there's the intangibles, right? Like any IP you have, any patents, right? But really the the monthly recurring in the MRR is really, really imperative. Yeah. Wow. See, that could be scary to some folks. <laughs> yeah. So how do how does uh, how do we break past that fear? Um. Well, being um. So here's the deal, right? Typically, we're fearful about things if our path is not clear. That's when we're. That's when we get fearful because we're not sure where to go or how to go. And our path is not laid out for us succinctly. If our path is laid out for us, typically we're not afraid, right? So by understanding like, okay, how would I go about acquiring a business? How would I go about turning myself into an independent contractor, right? Uh, An independent consultant, right? If we understand the steps to do things, then, right. I mean, it's like anything. It's like, I love the Wizard of Oz example, follow the yellow brick. If you're clear on the steps, then that's how we don't have fear. And then that's how we can be inspired to do the things that we actually want to do. Right. And you can do these things now. Right. So even if you, 
even if you are in an existing situation, all the things that I'm saying, you can do now, you can do in parallel, right? Now, are there things that I can do now that my kids are getting older? The examples that I told you at the beginning of our talk, the kids were younger. So I had to make decisions, you know, because of their age and stage, you know, now they're, they're, they're getting older. You know, my oldest is driving, you know, so now I can, I can make decisions. I can, you know, like be free to speak and do podcasts like this and kind of share all the, all the things that we've been working, working, working on, right. You know, just because of the climate of my life is changing. And so depending on where you're at and where you want to be breaking past fears, it's beautiful when you understand where you want to go and you have clear direction. That's how you do that. Um, very, very succinctly whenever our, I mean, you know, this from experience, right? You know, like yeah. if you knew, you know, that, that payment that you were being offered, you know, would help you, you know, to get to where you thought, okay, here's where I really want to go. Here's where I really want to take my family. All right. This payment will definitely help me. If you really, really knew that, then you wouldn't have been afraid right? If you knew that. So what I'm saying to our, to whoever's listening and even the next generation, because I want to make us better and better and better. But what I'm saying is, is that if I had to do it all over again, what I said to you is exactly how I would have done it. I wouldn't have spent my wheels trying to make something work, you know, um, with such a high success, with, with such a high failure rate, right? I would have found those opportunities, right? Um, I would have structured those opportunities for the life that I really wanted, right? This advice that I'm giving you are things that I wish I would have known 15 years ago. I wish someone would have told me. I wish that they would have told me. So that's why I'm waste. That's why I'm spending my energy to even share what I just shared. Because yeah, I, I don't think I you're wasting. Yeah, I don't think you're wasting time at all. <laughs> and yeah, it's a pretty common thing for a lot of folks to find themselves in situations where if only they had known, if only they had had the data, if only they knew what they didn't know, what to ask. And if these were even questions that were out there that were available to them. Right, right, right. And that's kind of where I'm. Yeah. And that's, so that's what I'm sharing. These are things that I wish that I would have known, right. Buy a business, make your, or make yourself a business, right. You know, based off of your experience and then build a scalable digital system. What I told you is is one of the first steps, right. Cause the amount of time we have, but you know, that's the first thing. And, but, but it's, it, it's going to take some work, right. You know, so then you ping me and we'll talk about what the next step is, but this is huge. If you have this, it's beautiful, you know, or if you need help, you know, right. This is beautiful. If you have this, a digital scalable growth system for your product or for your service, right? Because this is what we look for to achieve a maximum valuation. This, These are right. things I wish I would have known. Yeah, because I guarantee you a business that you acquire, they probably won't have this. So there's inherent value that, that you know, we just shared to, with them today where they can do that. You and I just shared this value with them so they can already take this and use it and give it to that business. We just, we just share that. Right. So there they go. There's some value already that they can bring into an existing business. Yeah. So in the time we have left here, and we have about 10 minutes or so. uh, What I want to make sure we cover is how do we get out? 
Um, how I, 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 know, I know you're, you're actually one of my most intriguing interview subjects I've had in some time. You are bursting with this information. Oh yeah. How do, how do we get out of which, which, how do we get out of? Yeah. Since we're talking about exit strategies. Oh, 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 of our, of our business and growth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you can get out at any time, right? The, the key is, is that, <laughs> I mean, if you've got a good business, right, you, you can always find an investor or, or a buyer. If it's a good profitable business, you can do that. Right. Right. The things that I should, the first thing I shared today, I, sh- I shared t- two things. Number one is build this digital growth scalable system for every product service. Right. And then, um, then there's like four other steps too to kind of building a scalable system. But um, how you do that is then you kind of create, you know, these things to create a maximum exit valuation, you know, for your business. And then you find an investor, right? That is, um, or, you know, like we operate more as like an investment banking firm. So we help grow and scale and then, you know, put together a beautiful pitch deck and we find an investor to get a maximum so you can sell the business. And then the goal is for then for you to sell the business, right? And then for you to take that and then for you to invest in another business, right? Or, you know, like depending on what you sold at, you take that and you decide that, okay, this is what I need to live out the duration of my life, right? Those are life decisions. Um, So it's either A, you know, I want to sell and then now I want to be an investor, right? Or B, you know, I want to sell and then I'm, this is what I need to retire. It's one of those two. Yeah. Well, uh, and again, you know, this, I think this is important to think about because it's so much even just to help an entrepreneur get to the point where they can get started, much less, much less be at the point where they're looking to get out. I think that this occurred to me when I was thinking about this the other day, actually, that it's possible that folks don't put enough thought into their exit strategy because they've been conditioned to believe that exiting is a form of failure. Okay. So I'm paused because I'm like, who told them that? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I'm like, I'm kind of speechless. Cause I'm like, who told them that? Um, right. So a, you're clear on this is going to be the never be a quitter. Yeah. I'm, I mean, like, who told you that? No. So you decide like, okay, this is going to be a lifestyle business, right? And I'm going to keep running it and using the income, et cetera. Or B, you know, like I'm going to sell at some multiple of my EBITDA and I'm going to take that money and invest in other things, right? Like who wants, I mean, I, I, I just don't, depends on what your goals are. So if you want to keep doing the same thing forever, fine. But, you know, if you want to kind of build and have something to grow and then take that and invest in other asset classes, right. You know, um, then those are options too. Um, And those are beautiful options. Like, because how you create wealth is you keep making your money work for you. Right. And all in, in, in various venues, right. And investment assets. So how you really create wealth is you 
whatever asset class you choose to focus on, you make that money work for you. Now with a business, there's some beautiful tax write-offs and there's some things that you can do. But once you've sold a business, well then gosh, then you've got money to really invest and create wealth that can really work for you, right? Otherwise you're taking money kind of, um, you know, out of the business and you have a salary and you, you know, there's, there's, it looks a little different, right? Versus if you cash out and take that money and invest in asset classes. It also depends on how you want to live, right? So how do you want to live and what are your ultimate goals? I mean, but everyone's goal should not be to just keep working, 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 working in their business. That should not be anyone's goal. Yeah. Their goal should be to create bare minimum step number one, a digital scaling system, right? Like what I shared where everything's measured in KPIs and their business is running by themselves. Now, whether they choose to keep that business for a lifestyle business is a different story, but their goal, no one's goal should be to spend their time just run, you know, just running, running, running in their business. That, that should not be anybody's goal. Period. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can, <laughs> I've, I've been there and I also know how it feels to be so sick of a business. I just shut it down. Yeah. So that should not be anyone's business, right? So either we're building because it's a lifestyle business and we've got some goals there, but even if it's a lifestyle business, like I said, the goal should be to have the business running itself, right? Without you, that should be the goal. So, or or you're going to build it and then you're going to sell that business, right? You know, and then go and take that money and then invest in other asset classes. So whatever asset class you choose. Yeah to invest in. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. I did have to I did have to mention the whole thing about how people are told that quitting is bad and it's a sign of failure or something like that. So once you start something, you got to keep going with it and go with it and go with it. And to me what one of the lessons of my life has has been is that uh quitting can be awesome sometimes. Um well no uh, you you don't quit. You have a goal, right? So you've established yeah. a goal, uh-huh. and then once you've established that goal, then you know you sell. Yeah. So it's not quitting because you've reached your goal. Right. Your goal so what we're doing to... is reframing. Yeah. We're yeah. So so in a way, we're taking away that stigma by renaming it in the first place. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's not about quitting. It's no. about it's about what are we doing with this? Is there an evolutionary goal? I, I mean. Is it possible that we're starting the business with the idea that it's going to at some point be sold or acquired? I know somebody who started a business that sold frozen foods through the through the mail. And when they designed their process, even before they had the food manufactured and prepared for sale, they studied the companies that they had visions of being acquired by. And they looked at everything from what payment processes do they use? What company do they use for the boxes? What company do they use for the packaging? What company do they use for the sourcing? What companies do they use for the advertising? The reason they did that is they wanted to, as much as possible, use the same resources and the same partners as a company that might eventually acquire them to make themselves an attractive target for acquisition. Right. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful example. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's kind of the opposite of what we hear uh, when it comes to this whole thing of, well, once you get into it, you should never get out of it. And uh, and uh, quitting is for losers or whatever other trope or what have you. So uh, I guess uh, I guess finally, um, one final thing that I would be curious about is how do you, this is going to be a very broad question, but people struggle with it. And I've had my challenges as well. You mentioned a few moments ago, the idea of having a business that can run without you. You know what a pipe dream that is to so many people? <laughs> yeah. Well, what, but how do you, how do you do that? Right. Is yeah. you develop systems, right? And like I said, if I could share screen, then I would talk about how you do that. So it's good systems that are defined and processized. That's how you do that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, if I had my screen, I would literally share the, I would share with you examples of what that looks like. So there, there's no confusion. Yeah. Right. I, I understand entirely. So, but, and I, and I know there's a roadmap, there's a system for it. There's a blueprint for it. And yet I see so many folks, and I think your answer is to create the blueprint, but tell me if there's anything more, that they've tried to delegate, they've tried to build teams, they've tried to outsource or cross-source or insource or whatever phrase you're using for it. And it seems no matter what they do, they themselves just can't get out of the middle of it. Yeah, no. So um, you can, right? And... uh, Let's see. I'm like, I feel like that's a longer conversation, right? Because uh, I feel like that's another conversation. Yeah. So you, 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 you absolutely can. But again, it does start with your, um, with, okay, here's what I can do. Here's what I'm good at. Right. And then I know I need these positions uh, represented, right? I know I need my CTO represented. I know I need my CFO represented. I know I need my CMO, right? I know I need these positions represented. Here's where I'm at. Right. And then here's what those descriptions look like, you know, for these other people. Right. And then I get clear on all of that. That's all documented. And here's what the processes look like for them. And here's what their responsibilities look like for them. Right. It's almost like if you when you set up systems anywhere. Right. And if people aren't fulfilling the KPIs of their system, then you know that there's a problem. That's when you step in. That's when it's like, oh, there's, you know, red on my spreadsheet. Somebody needs help or somebody's not doing X, Y, and Z. And then there's a problem. But when there's not a problem, then you build these systems first amongst yourself. Then you bring in an operator, right, that can come in and function in a COO role, that can manage these systems that you've established and you've already had everything kind of created and defined, then you can focus strategically on what high level growth looks like. So that's what that looks, that's what, that's what that looks like. Yeah. Happy to coach anybody through that, but that's what that looks like. I mean, right. I'm speaking very high level, yeah. but you know, at a granular level, that's what, I mean, that's how, that's how it works. So what I'm hearing is sort of a, a layered approach or a stepwise approach to it. Would that be an accurate assessment? Yeah, it's definitely a layered approach, but it's a high level approach, right? Which supports your long-term goals. 
So what are your long-term goals? How do I get there? Right. And then, okay, what do I need in order to get there? Right. Right. Okay, great. So uh, we are actually at the top of the hour here and I want to make sure that uh, all of our listeners are aware of your website. So I encourage everybody to visit AxisMeta.co. That's spelled A-X-I-S-M-E-T-A dot C-O. And this is where you can discover more about what Tanea does. And you can see the strategies. You can see the planning that goes behind growth, scaling, and ultimately exit. It's important to optimize your valuation levers, as she likes to say. And I think that this would be a fantastic place to start for anybody who is looking to start into a new venture or even as an existing place, feeling like they don't know what the next step is. Or if a next step was opposed upon them, they wouldn't know what to do. Or maybe just wants to explore, what would it mean if I were to sell the business? What would it mean if I were to shift gears? There's so many different ways to look at this. So again, that's accessmeta.co. And with that, Tanea Harrison, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Thank you. Thank you guys for being here. Just one last thought. Yes. Be inspired, right? Like, mm-hmm. like oh, oh my gosh, you've made it to this point. You're curious about it. Um, you know where you, you know, like I, I have an idea of this is what I want to do. But be really inspired because if you know, you know, that this is what you want to do, the blueprint to get you there is there. So be inspired, be happy about it, be excited. Like how many people wish that they knew the information that you have? Just be inspired about it and with it. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.